This is the DCI podcast now. Oh my God. I'm so ready. <laughs> I'm so effing ready for this. I've been waiting for you to say this all day. Okay. So let's talk about show design. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I am still Justin. And I am Nathan. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a thing. I was just trying something else out, you know? Yeah, no, that's fine. Just seeing how it that's fits. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just try it on. Try it on for size, for yeah, sure. For I don't sure. know. I'll see how it goes. But yeah, welcome to the show. It's Chapel Bell Curve. We're talking about, you know, the Georgia Tech game. That game that yeah. uh, wasn't much yeah. of a game there. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't. I mean... Well, coming into this game, we were, uh, I even fell into the trap, I feel like, of being like, well, you know, Georgia Tech has beat Georgia before at home, and if they're efficient running, like, they can do some stuff. And then it was just so clear, even in the first quarter, it was just like, well, this is not going to be much of a game, is it? No, huh. it was, I, I watched this game, but well, I, we'll get into our experiences, but uh, before we actually do that, I, I got to say, you know, the whole, uh, you know, we got to take care of housekeeping. Housekeeping, knock, knock, it's here. It's actually uh, Gomez at the door here to... Podcast uh, business. Podcast business. Podcast business. Gomez is podcast here sponsoring... <laughs> they're sponsoring this episode again. Good friends at Gomez. You know the guys. They're bringing back the house call. One other thing we want to say at the front of this, because we always say it at the end, and maybe you don't listen to the end because you're a bad friend, <laughs> is... Um, we are looking for stories from fans. We're looking for fan stories about UGA football and the way it is, you know, changed and interacted with your life. So we're going to do a red coat episode. We're going to do some interesting episodes of all sorts. So if you are interested in, you know, having our, your story told on air, either by yourself or by us, we'd love to hear from you. So just hit us up at any of our social media platforms or on email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. It's true. You'll hear more about that at the end of the episode. In addition to hearing yeah. more about GoMed at the middle of the episode during halftime. Yeah, so let's talk about Georgia Tech, Georgia. So, <clears throat> final score, 45-21. Incredibly misleading. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a 45-21 win, wherein we had a 100% postgame win expectancy and had a 99% percentile performance, 82% offense, 91% defense. And let's be honest, the 82% offense was just because we kind of quit in the second half because we didn't want, didn't want people to get hurt. Oh, in the fourth quarter. This was just a real front-to-back ass-whooping. Percentage of plays in garbage time. 47% of the plays in this game were with Georgia up 24 points or more. Georgia Tech, and we were talking about this before the game, had a had 0% success rate on passing and 0% success rate on passing downs. Oofa-doofa. That's staggering. Hey, hey, Justin. Hey, what? Wanna, <laughs> ask me what their ISO... Ask me what their explosiveness rating on passing was. Hey, real quick. Down. Will you tell me what their explosive rating on passing was? That would be capital N, capital U, capital L, capital L. Null, homie. Oof. So bad that math can't even handle it. It can't. It won't, can't even quantify it, which is kind of funny coming out of Georgia Tech. Ha, can't ha, handle this. You got it. You ah, got you. Got yeah, him. yeah, you got him. It was just a thorough butt kicking. I mean, if we look at, you know, com- uh, success rate is sort of the the standard. If you want to look at one number, it's a very good place to start with S&P Plus. Uh, so Georgia Tech success rate by quarter, 40%, or sorry. 33% in the first quarter, 30% in the quarter two, uh, 28% in quarter three, 50% in quarter four. Georgia's on the other hand, 71% in quarter one, 65% in quarter two, 63% in quarter three, and 33% in quarter four because we basically called off the dogs. Yeah. I just want to yep. be clear that our lowest 33% is still only like 8% under the national average, 
when we called off the dogs and we're just running straight up the middle, we were still having like too much success, honestly. Uh, rushing success rate, 65%. Passing success rate, six or 73%. 69% on pa- uh, standard down, 67% on passing downs for 68% on the game. That is a, a whopping 27 points above the national average. This was, uh, there, there's just nothing. I mean, there's a lot to say about this game, I think, in terms of where it puts us in the rest of this uh, game, but, you know, or in the rest of the season. But I, it was just a pretty thorough beatdown. Do you really want to talk was. about? Do you want to talk about your experience? I'm sorry, I just said so many interesting and fun things to say. <laughs> no, you should absolutely be saying all those things. My, my that was my experience. Yeah. That was my experience. That I, God, I love stats. It was just a when they look like that. Yeah, it really was. It was really nice. It was, uh, as you put it, NSFW, my friend. Yeah, it was not. Say, it, it was not borderline erotic. It was just full on, straight up, totally erotic. Yep, yep, yep. You could find that on my Tumblr page. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's where I'm writing all my sexy fanfic about this Georgia Tech game. Uh, anyway, no, no, my experience was pretty much non-existent because on Friday, as we uh, we sh- we released that sh- very short live episode, uh, just another Georgia Tech reflection preview. Um, I went on to finish that night out and then went to bed right about around 8 a.m. the next morning because I did that 24-hour gameathon uh, at the Rook. God Pond. bless. God Holy bless. Holy cow. I am not I, I am not a spring chicken any longer, my friend. Let me just say. Hey, I, I do I mean, you may not be. What are you, thirty now? Almost. You're twenty nine, so I think a lot of our listeners would be insulted by that. But also, I think staying up from nine AM to nine AM is pr- a pretty strong work of uh of staying awake for like a fifteen year old. Mm-hmm. If I re- if I recall correctly, I think the l- the longest I've ever stayed up is twenty four hours and then I slept sixteen hours. Oh boy. So I wouldn't I- I'm not sure that really reflects on your um you know it does <laughs> your, not reflect like, poorly on me. No, yeah, I, no, I think that has more to do with just like uh, there's that's not what a human being should do. No, I wouldn't consider it an age thing. I just consider it more like I don't do that any longer. And it was a very practiced thing I Hold feel on. like I did when I was younger. You used to do that? That's oh, terrifying. Sure. Yeah, like land parties, man. Yeah, played some games. Yeah, I mean, I did too, but you go to sleep eventually. Eventually, yeah. But then you sleep like the whole next day and you make up for it. So instead, I stayed up. I woke up at six on Friday, as I normally do, and then stayed up until nine the following morning. And then woke up for the Georgia Tech game. <laughs> and then I did not go back to sleep until the following night. <laughs> You're a crazy person. It was the worst decision ever, and I'm still feeling it really the repercussions. Is. It, really, it really was. But that is essentially my experience with the Georgia Tech game. I, I watched the game laying my head down on my wife uh, as she really watched it and kind of, you know, did her, um, you know, study for her finals and everything in her master's class. So... That's awesome. that's how unworried we were about this entire thing. It's like I would sit up and kind of like through glazed over eyes see touchdowns and and awesome plays. And I went back and watched highlights later, and it was just a it, like you said, it was a throw ass kicking. Yeah, it really was. I mean, I, I I felt when I was there before the game, I left. It, you know, I went I, because I'm an idiot. I went and did practice with the Redcoats, and then I did. Um, I did the dog walk with the red coats and I wasn't feeling well and it was raining. And so I went home and, uh, but when I was there, I was actually very impressed by the student turnout was Mm -hmm. really, really good. Um, and I thought it was really interesting how, you know, a lot of the narrative going into this game was like, Oh, you gotta be worried. It's a 12 o'clock game. Is the crowd going to be into it? Is the team going to be into it? And the team really was just like, Nope. Yeah, we're into it. We're just going to match these guys. (laughs) Very into it. it. it's one of those like counterintuitive things where it's like the more into something like that you are, the least, you, the less you have to be into it. Yeah. They only had to really try for about the first quarter to win the game and everything else was just sort of like, 
you know, icing. Yeah. It was Thanksgiving dessert. So you want to talk about the real numbers? I absolutely do. Okay. So, um, yeah, let's talk about the real numbers. So, uh, as of today, the five factors box score, um, Georgia Tech versus Georgia. So 45, 21, 100% post game win percentage for Georgia. 11 drives for Georgia to text nine, 61 plays to for Georgia to sex 60, 447 yards to for Georgia to sex 219, 7.33 yards per play to for Georgia to text 3.65. That is a whopping negative 3.68 yards per, uh, yards per play margin for Georgia Tech, which is really, really fun. Um, success rate 31 for Georgia Tech, 68 for Georgia. Scoring opportunities two for Georgia Tech. Oh, that's good. Of which, of which both came in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> points for scoring opportunity seven because they scored seven points on both of their meaningless fourth quarter touchdowns. Uh, points for scoring opportunity for Georgia five point six three. Still very good. Average field position twenty nine point eight to uh, for Georgia Tech to Georgia's thirty nine. It's one of the first times this year where we've won the field position battle, which is interesting. Um, other than Rodrigo's sort of egregious, uh, Rodrigo should have kicked like that first ball out of the end zone, and we didn't cover it very well. But other than that, very good work. Um, <clears throat> let's see, turnover margin negative one Georgia Tech, one for Georgia. Expected turnover margin was negative nine three for Georgia for Georgia Tech. Oh, sorry, I got that reverse. Turnover margin was one for Georgia Tech, negative one for Georgia. Negative point nine three expected turnover margin for Georgia Tech, giving them about two points of turnover luck, which is amazing. You know, because they basically got that last touchdown off of that turnover, or one of the first touchdown, the first actual offensive touchdown came off of a turnover. So really, it was like they got lucky to make it a twenty point game, mm-hmm. which, which is, is so like, funny. Mm. Chef's kiss. And this is really, this is really like, it was a 24 point win, but it was way more dominant than that. It did not feel like a 20 point win to me at all. Like watching it in the moment at all. So, um, other than that, let's see the S and P plus update for Georgia. As of right now, Georgia is 11 and one, 10.8 second order wins. Still pretty strong. Uh, 98.1 percentage, uh, S and P plus percentile, 25.3 S and P plus margin. It's about 25 points better than the average team this year. Third overall ranked S and P plus offensively is ranked third S and P plus defensively is 15th. That's come up. That's nice. Uh, special teams S and P plus is 10th. And last week we were fifth. We went up to, um, one interesting thing about our S and P plus ranking currently, if you look at it, not just in a vacuum, but relative to the rest of the teams. So, <clears throat> Alabama is at a a so the raw S P plus rating king when I just give you the rating, mm-hmm. that's how many points they are above the average team. And it's really interesting the way they break that breaks down right now. So Alabama's at thirty point four, about three points above Georgia. Clemson is at twenty seven point seven point six points support, uh, above Georgia. And then there is a four three and a half point drop down to twenty two point nine. So I guess four point drop down to 22.9 into Oklahoma. And then there's another one point drop down to Michigan. So it's kind of like there's a group of three and there's a group of like one, two, three, four more down to central Florida that are within two points of each other. Then there's another drop or well, I guess five down to Ohio state. If you want to go to 19.6. So that takes you down to eight. And then there's another drop down to uh, Washington at nine of three more points. So it's like there's a group of three and then there's a group of six and then there's everybody else right now. I think that's really interesting because like Georgia does not have the safest rate, uh, the safest route to the playoff right now, which is fine because just this how the playoff works. But if we were just taking like the best teams to put on the playoff, Georgia would definitely be in them like right now, which I kind of think like 
ties into the narrative, right? I mean, if you look at our five factor scores, they all look super good right now. Even our efficiency, uh, defensive efficiency is at 62, which is the highest it's been all year or one of the highest numbers it's been all year. So, I mean, I, I mean, I think there's no doubt about it that the, the narrative that Georgia is peaking is a hundred percent true right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. 100%. It was, and it, and we need to like to have any chance to keep this like interesting. We have to peak right now, mm-hmm. but man, that was like, just outstanding like some of the a few things that i was hearing and i was i had a volunteer shift early and a lot of my volunteer shifts at work uh consist of a lot of like students and uh which is just like rife with football hot takes and every once in a while you know you you hear uh more intelligible conversation about football and they want to know real things and, and talk about stats and that sort of thing but one thing they talked about was just like man we're gonna lose real bad to alabama aren't we like this is gonna happen and i was like why do you think that and they said well we just haven't played anybody this year and i was like that is bull crap mm-hmm. no yeah <laughs> let me just tell you and remind everyone listening that georgia tech was the number one team in efficiency per smp plus uh by because of their run game essentially and that's not something yeah. you could say that i don't even think alabama would have fared as well in this game as we did they still would have handled them like plenty but i mean we we have a we have a, we have the third s&p schedule resume rank mm-hmm. and we have the 33rd screen, uh, strength of schedule rank per s&p plus so i mean top quarter in in strength of schedule and in terms of resume in terms of how badly we beat the teams that we we beat like it's been very good for us yeah and that, that's just one thing like i i just want to remind everybody how how great this game was yeah, I mean, and this wasn't a mirage. Like th- that—that's what I think I want to get across, and especially going into the Alabama preview, which I'm sure will be—I mean, even more in depth than this. Even though I just did totter on about uh, about stats for like the first ten minutes of the show, um, you know, going into the Alabama game, this is not a this is not fake. You know what I mean? Um, I, I this is a real thing, yeah. and so I and I, I think the idea that George, you know, there's this narrative going on that Georgia you know, has bounced back from the LSU loss and has gotten a lot better. And the thing is, that's not just a narrative. That's true. In pretty much any, any statistical sense, they have improved uh, week over week. Um, so what are we talking about next? I kind of just like went in really hard. I was going to try and support the idea. Like if we can sit here and kind of compare the Georgia Tech run game to the Georgia run game and how that's going to therefore affect the Alabama game, uh, because uh, a big narrative that's going around right now is that Alabama is weak against the the run, which is something we even talked about briefly last week. And I, I think they've definitely we've definitely seen that you know the the God can they're, bleed. They're weak at defending the run, or they're weak, weak at, at defending the run, and specifically later on in downs and passing downs and in second down, and they're just not very good at explosive uh, run teams. And so I was hoping to draw some comparisons between Georgia Tech's run game to our run game and how that could play out against Alabama next week. I mean, we completely outclassed their run game in just about every statistical category. Oh, for today. sure. I mean, they were third, I think, coming into this week in a rushing S&P Plus, and now they're 16th. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a pretty thorough domination. Um, but it is, I mean, rushing marginal efficiency, they're fourth. On the other hand, Georgia's seventh, which that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Although overall, we have the sixth uh, rushing S&P Plus to Georgia Tech's 16th rushing S&P Plus, which I think it has a lot to do with uh, marginal explosiveness because our marginal explosiveness is 12th and their marginal explosiveness is 46th because they all they could do is just get like little chunks. And the problem was they just didn't convert. They didn't get a lot of first downs on this play mm-hmm. in this game. whole lot of nothing. Yeah. Butt kiss as 
folks would call it. It was just a rough game, man. It was a rough game for Georgia Tech. And I had a yeah, great I time watching for them. it. What, what, what the hell? I was about to say. It was awesome for me. Yeah, it was fantastic for us. Rough game for Georgia Tech. And boy, oh boy, am I just excited. Looking at the way our uh, our five factors are, are kind of stacking up now, we are number one across the board on, on defense when it comes to explosiveness. And I am very excited about that thing. You know, which yeah. I think is, is one of those things that might save us. Something that everybody keeps asking me is like, what are we going to have to do to beat Alabama? And I think that the biggest thing, you know, without going too deep into it, is we're going to have to stop them more than they stop us, or right. we are going to have to score bigger than they do. And thank you, John Madden. I mean, you're uh, you're right. Uh, what you're I abs- mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean you're like, absolutely right in a dumb way. Like you got to score more points to the opposite team. I mean, we got to score more spectacularly than they do because that's well, what I they're mean, going to be good at. One of the things that they've done so well, and if you watched the Alabama game last week, the the Iron Bowl, one of the things they did was they just converted every third and long, and yeah. so. You know, we have to limit those explosive plays. And that's been really interesting because like, that's what we have been very good at making, but also what we've been very good at preventing. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be one of those like unstoppable force and movable object games. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Georgia tech game was, which was like the stoppable force movable object. And so well, I guess we'll just see. I mean, it's just kind of a funny thing. It's like, we're, we're really, we're super incredible at, at keeping teams honest, but, they just continue to like chip away and chip away and chip away and chip away. Mm-hmm. And it's either we wear them down by like sheer force of will or yeah. they eventually score. And that's fine because we're going to come right back around with one of the most expl- explosive offenses on the, you know, in the nation. Well, and I so don't want, I don't want to get too far into the Alabama game. Right we're not. Now, no, I'm just saying that a few little, little, just a little like sprinkle. Yeah. Do you have anything else from the Georgia Tech game? Like, what was your observations? I mean, I know you said it, the number one most efficient run team. We held them 120 below their average rushing Ugh. total. I thought, you know, to me, honestly, the biggest thing was Georgia Tech's de- offensive line looked undermanned a lot of the time. And while they don't have a traditionally strong offensive line, Georgia Tech coming into this game, or even actually with this game, yeah, Georgia Tech on standard downs, their line yard per carry, they're ranked third in the nation. Their standard downs mar- marginal efficiency, they're ranked fourth in the nation. Mm-hmm. So it's like... This is a this was a this is a team that even though they had an undersized offensive line was very good at getting yards, especially getting yards you know efficiently in early downs, and we just took that away. So the penetration I saw from our front seven, and just kind of the fire that we saw Malik Herring and Adam Anderson in particular, and Jordan Davis got a sack. Just all those guys, especially the young guys, the freshmen and sophomores, seeing them kind of round into the form when they really really had to because this is you know this next game is where we're going to need all 85 scholarship players to have their best game, even if it's like their best game prepping everything up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, w- I was just very, very impressed. As you should be. Absolutely. Uh, what are your biggest takeaways from this? And really, it's like, what are what are we taking away from this with us into next weekend without getting too deep into it again? Like, what are you well, most excited about now? I mean, I think we can officially say Jake Fromm's back. He was oh, 13 yeah. for 16, 80, 81% completion rate, nice, cool 81%, <laughs> 0% zero interception, 0 sacks, 10.94 yards per attempt, uh, what was it, 73% uh, success rate at when he passed, uh, and only three incompletions. And honestly, one of those probably should have been a completion. Um, you know, just the the regularity with which Jake Fromm just makes really hard throws look just sort of trivial. Like that deep throw to Miko Hardman was Holy just, cow. I, mean, I mean, he didn't, it wasn't just that it was a spectacular deep throw, which it was, or that it was a bomb, which it was. It was that McCall Hardman didn't have to like, there was no hitch in his stride to catch that ball. He just was under it when the ball reached him. And that's, that's just like a really special place for a, a I think, you know, with, 
all of the superlatives that we give to quarterbacks now, it's it's easy to overlook like just hitting balls in stride and just hitting people on their hands. That's really difficult to do. And most very good quarterbacks can't do that with consistency. And very few quarterbacks in this league have done or in the nation have done it to the level that Jake Fromm has. And mm-hmm. yeah, sure, we're about to play another team and perhaps the only team who has a quarterback who's been doing that better. But that I, I think we really should just we really need to pause and acknowledge that like it's worthwhile to say that Jake Fromm is just playing his best football right now. And I think overall too, I mean, my other observation, and I know you asked me sort of in like an Alabama sense, my other observation is anytime you spank Georgia tech and you make them look like they don't matter, it's important. It mm-hmm. just is. I it mean, very much so is any rival. Yeah, yeah. Any rival. And just to make them look like we, one of the things I thought last year, especially when we played um, Auburn the second time and this year when we played Auburn again was like, man, I feels like Kirby smart has just figured some stuff out about this offense. And I felt that even more intensely this week against Georgia tech. It's just like Kirby smart has solved this offense and to play your rival and just to beat them so thoroughly that it feels that it's less in doubt in many ways than your game against Austin P. That's, I mean, that's, I think even though we're all focused on Alabama, I think it's very important to take a moment and just note that like, it is not every day that you see a 73% uh, passing uh, success rate. We were 68% on the game just by carrot comparison. I, I do want to do this real quick. Yeah. So like, if we look at, at um, if we look at Georgia's sort of like quote unquote, gimme games this year, Austin P uh, middle Tennessee state and Massachusetts. 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 So just by comparison, Georgia's um Georgia's success rate on the day against Massa against Ozan P was fifty four percent. Georgia's success rate on the day against uh Middle Tennessee was fifty four percent. And Georgia's success rate on the day against Massachusetts was seventy two percent. So I guess what I'm saying is that we were better like Austin P and Middle Tennessee State offered more resistance on a down in and down out uh, basis than Georgia Tech's defense. And anytime you anytime you can say that about one of your most historic rivalry rivals, it's a really important thing to note. And I think it's just sort of like that's emblematic of where Kirby Smart has this team playing. We should not take for granted that you feel like you can take for granted that we're just going to whip the hell out of Georgia Tech every year. It was very clear as soon as they walked out on that field as I was watching pregame warmups, I thought, man. Georgia Tech's kids always look small, but when you watch them on the field on the hoof right now, they look They're really, so really small. They're they so look little. really small. Really small. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a good portion of halftime this weekend just looking at pictures of Elijah Holyfield and how freaking big he is. Did you see the Keith Marshall tweet? Yes, I did. <laughs> he said, do, oh you guys, my God. do you guys lift weights? <laughs> that it's... It, Oh God! This is so it funny. was so good. So, just for context, there was a video that Georgia Tech's football account put up about um, Taquan Marshall, who is their their first their starting quarterback, and he was walking around before the game, and he it was said like Taquan's ready, and he was just walking around shirtless before the game, <laughs> just sort of like stunting. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And um, then they <laughs> they sort of like flipped to him. They or sorry, they, you know, like panned across him and he's just like walking down the field and he's got his headband on. And I'm not trying to talk crap about like Childish Gambino in any way, but he was about as athletic looking as Childish Gambino did, or is in the This Is America video. And so Keith Marshall retweeted him and just said, bro, do y'all lift weights? <laughs> and, and it's just like, 
it it was almost it was just so like deadpan that that's just the perfect response because you know obviously Taquan Marshall is a way better athlete than I am, but damn if he is not like the most muscly man in the world. He's so little. He he looks like me with his shirt off. It's just a tiny little boy. Tiny little boy. And he got eaten alive today. He sure did. Um, one more thing I want to talk about too before we we get too far into like Ask CBCs and whatnot and and other things is will leach actually put out a, a really awesome article today about just being appreciative and asking the question as to like when did we become when did we take all of this when, when did we start taking all this for granted essentially like when did we become that fan base and it's it's true it's like even i, I was listening to kirby smart's press conference that one he was talking yeah i was listening to kirby smart's press conference today and then just talking about like um, you know, this is what's going on. Everybody had all the questions like, what's next? What are you guys going to do now? And he's like, I just don't, I don't give a damn. Like, I'm just here to play football. I'm here to teach kids how to play football. And like, can we just take a second to put all that into perspective and like all appreciate what this is? Like there are very few programs who go to the national championship, lose the national championship and are able to answer back the following year. And to play the same team they lost to in the national championship the following year, less than eleven yeah. months from the day yeah. we were playing in the national championship, and, and the same ha- after damn having place. lose so many key contributors. Yeah, and I, I just think for just a second, I'm not. This is not me yelling at listeners by any means. It's just kind of as we 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 sometimes yell at the fan base, and we're like kind of like, hey guys, hey you guys, can we just yeah. take a step back and like, yeah, this is one of those times for sure. Hey, be cool. Yeah, just be cool. Like, this is Absolutely. awesome, and let's all just freaking love this, because this is so cool, yeah. and if we lose this next weekend, because all I really want to do is talk about Alabama, and I know a lot of people want to hear us talk about Alabama, too, but I'm trying really hard not to, but if we lose on Saturday, I'm cool. Like, I don't care. I'm not going to... I felt like I got hit by a car last last year after the national championship, and I know you did, too, because you texted me immediately after and said... I'm not doing an episode on this. And it took you a week before you were going to sit behind a microphone and actually talk I, to me about I, it. I absolutely 100% was not going to until yeah. you were like, no, hey, bud, we really need to. Yeah. And it, I think that I think that we've come a long way, even as a fan base since then, in some good ways and some bad ways. But I think overall, we are better off since then. And we'll, mm-hmm. I, I hope mm-hmm. that after following this game, we'll kind of show that too. But we'll see. Yeah. Go yeah, look no, at I that agree. Will Leach article. Yeah, it's very good. It's also, on the Waiting um, Since Last Saturday podcast blog. Yeah, I think WSLS had a very good episode about just sort of appreciating where we are. And and I mean, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about like, what is what does it mean to be a Georgia fan? And, you know, I, I've tried, I keep, I'm a very, I'm very cautious to make pronouncements like this, but really we're sitting at the second 11 and one season and there's no guarantee that this happens for 10 years the way it did for Alabama. And it's probably unlikely that it does. But I think we should just all take a moment to just appreciate where we are as a team right now, where it's just like, you know, I mean, I was worried about losing to Georgia Tech, but ultimately I felt like it would be a big fluke if we did because we were just so much more talented than them. And we have always had a talent advantage over Georgia Tech, but not like this. Not like just they shouldn't be on the field with us. And there were times during that game when we had all 11 starters in where that was what it felt like, where it was like these two teams are playing different games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I don't think we should take that for granted. Man, I love this team. That's yeah, all I, I really say. do. I start. I, I fall in love with them every year. <sighs> but it's just the the it's a different kind of love too. And just 
I don't know. I just the offensive line just mauling people on every damn play. Richard's account just running around. And then also just like our surprising depth at wide receiver. That's been like really fun to see too. That was always it's, really cool. It's yeah. rare. It's rare. Yeah. Uh, before we get into our prediction review, which I actually haven't written down because I was sitting on top of Boathouse last week, uh, let's talk about our halftime. <laughs> Our halftime sponsors, sponsors of this episode are, of course, our GoMed friends, the ones that are bringing back the house call. They are Urgent Care to Go, which is not really, it's, I'm going to workshop that one, but bringing back the house call, because that's exactly what they do. They are Urgent Care on the go. They bring everything you would find in a doctor's office straight to your house, which is the most comfortable place you can find uh, for most of us, I hope. One thing that our friend Barrett, who I think a lot of you guys have actually heard of, uh, Mr. Barrett with the the nice family and the good arms or whatever we talked about, uh, he, he said, you know, my, my partners are, are, are kind of a little upset that, you know, you're just talking about me and, you know, my ego's big enough. Uh, I think that was actually a quote from his wife, but uh, he wants us to, to, to let you know who the fo- other folks are because big part of this whole urgent care to go thing is knowing your doctors and having them be accessible and relatable and all those things. So, you know what? We're going to do that. We're going to do that whole thing. We're going to talk about one of these good, good GoMed boys. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. So, so the, the, the guy we chose today, and I don't have a good reason why. I think I just closed my eyes and pointed at the screen. But the, the first one we're going to talk about today is John Mansour. 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 M-A-N-S-O-U-R. You do the math, everybody. But... Um, John here is one of those uh, nerdy UGA alums that we talked about. He's a graduate of the UGA School of Pharmacy. He has been doing this holding thing in healthcare for 30 years. Is there anything that you've been doing for 30 years, Nathan, other than living? No. Exactly. Pooping. Pooping, yep. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there it is. So in addition to what he does with GoMed, John also serves as the chairman of the board of directors of Providence Bank in Alpharetta, Georgia. So look at this guy go. He's bank professional healthcare professional. That's 30 years of corporate executive and entrepreneur in the healthcare and banking industries. I don't know how you can do... I don't know where you find the time for that that stuff. I I work for a nonprofit and I make a podcast and I don't know how I'm able to do this every week. So kudos to you, John Mansour. 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 I'm proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, But what what John specifically does, he brings his expertise and his experience to go med in the areas of ancillary services and business development. So uh, I don't know if you'd actually ever actually, you know, talk to John directly unless you hop on this website and give him a ring. But he is one of the managing partners of GoMed. Nice. (laughs) Thanks. Go see those. Go see those good, good boys. So go hop over to GoMed.net and see what they got going on. Like we said before, they are urgent care to go. And you can schedule a visit just by visiting their website, clicking on that little schedule visit tab, and going from there. Get your flu shot. I don't know if they do that still. He hasn't said. GT preview. Okay, so let's go over some predictions that we had for this game. And you didn't do over-unders because you were on top of a boathouse, but we did do some predictions in terms of numbers. And so let's talk about them. So, oh, oh, I got, oh, man, I got the score right on. Man, you really did. Oh, exactly right. Oh, boy. Yeah. Close down the podcast. So I was, I was 10 points off and you were right on. 45-21. Yeah, you, that was pretty beautiful. Oh, boy. Um, I was actually just seriously a work of art on your part. I I did that. Um, It was all, it was the lack of blood in my brain, most likely. You're just like totally just not unconscious, <laughs> just passed out. 
totally passed what out. What kind of over-unders did you have? So we said over under 300 yards, and we went uh, 300 yards rushing, and we went well under that on the day. We had what? Just we just we just had we had just over 200 on the yeah. day. Um, so we both got that one wrong. We said Georgia Tech over under 0.5 interceptions. We both said over. That was also wrong. He did not pass. They didn't throw enough <laughs> to throw an interception. And then we said Justin Fields over under 10 snaps, which, I, which I we right. got. I, I think. Let's see. He had he was two for three on passes, and he rushed ten times. So yeah, oh yeah, or no, three times. He was three times. So he had six snaps. So he was on at the very least. Yeah. So we went <laughs> on the day. We were a very unfortunate five and one or one and five on our over unders for last week. But you did get the score exact exactly. So that's that's what matters. So very impressive. Um, Let's do so. Let's get let's get into our favorite our favorite uh, section for the day, which we have a huge one today. So let's ask CBC. Let's do it. So the the very first ask CBC comes from I believe this is Brett Bauckham because it is. What yeah, else yeah. rhymes with Brett Bauckham? Brett Bauckham is a great a great uh, Twitter <laughs> name. <laughs> in a reception, an offensive player receives the ball, and then in parentheses, or if you are Al Michaels, the ball. Why therefore doesn't the defensive player in an interception intercede the ball? <laughs> he says, I'll hang up and listen. You guys had a back and forth uh, on Twitter, but uh, I, I, this is too good for people to to pass up, I feel. So would you please? I actually have like a real answer for this because I said, well, there's no reason. There's no reason not. Let's just do it. Let's make it a thing. But I actually think he might be wrong. Originally on our back and forth between Brett and I, I said, oh, yeah, interceive. Just go with it. But now that I've looked into the actual Greek and Latin roots, the reason that we say it's a reception and not an interception uh, actually makes really, really good sense because um, the root word sept means to receive something or to get it. But, however, the root word enter means between and the root word re means again. So to receive something is to get it again, literally translated, and to intercept something is to receive something between two people. So the word, the root word for interception actually makes a lot of sense. And if you said interceive, it would be a lot different because that's the seed versus sept uh, root, and sept means between, and sieve means to get. So yeah, there's actually a real linguistic etymological reason for it. Although I still like interceive quite a li- uh, quite a bit. All right, next one. Stage manager for life, Abby Vincent Key asks, if you could have a beer with any football coach, alive or dead, which coach and what beer would you buy him? I want to have a beer with, you know that picture from last year? I think it's the national championship game or the Auburn game. Kirby Smart is being held back by his holdback coach and the holdback coach is being held back by his holdback coach. Mm-hmm. I want to have a beer with those guys. <laughs> oh, they're crazy, man. <laughs> they're absolutely crazy. We saw Every them once in a while, I like, catch them too. Yeah, they, they, would t- they would talk to us on the sidelines. Absolute nut jobs in, in the best possible way. I want to have a beer I... with those guys. Or Ed, Ed Orgeron. <laughs> I actually think my answer might be Nick Saban. Oh. I don't think and Nick I Saban th- drinks beer. Nah, he'd, he'd have a beer with me. You think so? I think I would get him something that's like good, but still like a kind of an American classic. Like, I think he could da- get down on some like steam anchor. You know what I mean? Like, it's got some, it's got a flavor profile, but it's not, it's not gonna like, it's not too daring or anything. Like he'd respect it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, this was been, this was made for a hundred years. Ah, the prospectors drank this. I yeah, admire its efficiency. <laughs> Why change something if it's not broken? <laughs> thank you nick i think that with the the holdback coaches i would just have i would just order like you know how you can go to just like any sports bar or any or anywhere that has like 100 tvs and order a bucket of 
X beer. I'll just buy one of those buckets for each of us. Beer, bu- beer bucket. Yeah. 15 beers. F- 20 beers <laughs> enter, one man exits. <laughs> if that. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Next question comes from Drew Hates Bama at Drew Lance 12. He asks, how seriously should you take how this game affects the defensive stats when most D1 teams don't play a triple option offense all season? They don't, but most D1 teams aren't as good at running the ball as Georgia Tech is. And Alabama is very good at running the ball, but they're not as efficient as Georgia Tech is. So, I mean, I think you you can't undercount what the stats do, even though Georgia Tech is the most talented for Georgia. A, because if you're looking at the S&P Plus stats, those are adjusted for opponent. And B, because Georgia Tech is, in its own right, a very good, efficient running team. Exactly. Refer back to the last 40 minutes of this show. Bass and Dog asks, what is your honest opinion of Tech having a flag boy in parentheses again? I don't I know mean, what this I don't, means. I don't care. They have a guy on their flag line. Oh. I'm not fine. trying to... I don't want to call Bass and Dog out, but I do wish people would not be weird about it because like the most talented people in flag lines at the highest level, a lot of them are men. Oh, like the Cavaliers. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, not just the Cavs, but like every, I mean, if you want to see someone toss like an eight or a six, like just go watch a guy from a DCI core toss it. And I mean, and okay, again, it's hard to respond to this because I am not trying to call Bass and Dog out. And so in Bass and Dog's instance, I'm sure it was just Georgia Tech eight. And so that's fine. But I will say, I do think a lot of it is kind of rooted in homophobia. So, like, yeah, I don't care. I wish that I wish UGA had a flag boy. Let me rephrase. I wish UGA had a fan base that would be okay with us having a man in the flag line. Because I've met a lot of men in flag lines before, and most of them I wouldn't screw with. Uh-uh. Yeah, the, the Cavaliers, the DCI Corps that I'm, um, I'm referencing, they are the most badass DCI Corps. It's, it's I mean, like the Alabama football of DCI. Okay. And they're I don't all men. Get into- Okay. Uh, okay. Some people who listen to this do DCI. The Alabama football of DCI are the Blue Devils. But yeah, you're right. They're you're right. Good. You're right. You're right. Yeah. If you can, if you can throw, if you can throw like an a you know eight pound rifle eight turns in the air and then catch it flat on your palms perfectly, like you don't have to worry about masculinity at all. And so, well, that is your masculinity. You, masculinity is how you define it and how you express yourself. Yeah. If you'd yeah, like yeah. to be masculine, you define it yourself. Back in my day when I was watching DCI, the Cavaliers were the ones that won everything. But the Blue Devils they, were a close second at the time. Yeah. Well, in the last 12 years, they've, they've finished outside the, the top four once. Oh. So they're like the New York Yankees of DCI. They're right. ridiculous. Let's, let's um, stop talking about DCI now. This is the DCI podcast now. Oh, my God. I'm so ready. <laughs> I'm so effing ready for this. I've been waiting for you to say this all day. Okay. So, let's talk about show design. Um. Anyway. So... <laughs> Next question. <laughs> the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast actually comes with a question. What's up with Hot Rod? Kicking out of bounds, doinking one off the uprights, etc. Is he having an off couple of weeks or is this all part of the master plan? No, it's not, I don't think it's part of the master plan. But I do think that like one of Hot Rod's things is that they, I think they just told him to directional kick it a couple of times and they shouldn't have. Or if they didn't, that he directional kicked it when he shouldn't have. But the thing is, ultimately, like, all of those directional kicks, all of the ones that went out of bounds were just, they were like one or two yards from being down on the one. So it's hard to be like that upset about it because they are very good kicks that just barely didn't make it. Um, as for the doink, I mean, people go through stretches, man. I mean, honestly, some some of it might be misuse because they haven't used him a lot recently at all. Also, wasn't that like a 43-yard attempt? Yeah, but it was well. It was within his range. I mean, sure. Just, he, he forty-three yards is hard for anybody. Yeah. It's definitely within his range. But. Noted tied respecters, which is at Dog Sports. Be honest, you could both bench more than Taquan Marshall, couldn't you? Uh, I'm I don't know. Sure, you could. No, man, my bench is not all that impressive right now. 
I was never going to bench. I actually, when I used to take weight, I had to take weight class when I was running track and everything, and I would purposefully avoid the bench. I think my bench max right now is like 215. So most Division One athletes can do like 225 easy. So yeah. I would say, yes, he can bench more than me. Also, oh so a lot of times dudes who are not that big will surprise you with what their numbers are. Yeah, my max back in the day when I was like a twig, I, I weigh 170 now. I used to weigh like 130 when I was running track, 140. I would bench like 180, which was me like, that was Straining. me dying the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, I, I've done I've done 215 eight times, so that's not my one rep, but it's what I've done Yeah, before I hurt myself and had to stop working out momentarily. Anyway. Dogs Online wants to hear your emotional journey when Roquan was introduced to the crowd. It was like... <sighs> To see, I, you know, you just have moments where the light falls across the hair of someone you love the right way, or when a smell evokes the feeling of home in you, or when you close your eyes at night and you find and you tread your way back to a safe place and you think about a moment in summer or one of those passing days in spring when it seemed like that nothing was happening, but it was one of the most important days of your life. It was like, it was like when you, you have these images in front of you, and you can't, and you know that there's no words that can make meaning of them, but it doesn't make the the sweet nectar of them any less sweet. Ugh. <laughs> it was beautiful. I wish everybody could sit here and watch our video chat, actually, because that that made it that much better. <laughs> I was emoting. I usually don't emote, but that got that got that got emoting out of that me. got a response. Ryan Clark asks, "Is the Mac Brown hiring at UNC as freaking weird as I think it is?" Yes. Oh yeah, it's it's super weird. <laughs> I mean, okay, so I get their theory. I think what their theory is that he's going to be a good fundraiser, and if he brings in Gene Chizik and someone good as an offensive coordinator, I don't know who he would bring in, but if he brings in a good offensive coordinator and Gene Chizik is a D coordinator who is decent. I mean, he's been, he was good like two years ago, so he should be fine. Um, he should be able to raise a lot of money and basically just like write the ship and then they can bring in someone else. I just don't understand if you're UNC, why don't you just bring in Scott Satterfield? It just doesn't make any sense to me. He's in the state. He's really, really good. And you know what raises money? Wins. Scott Satterfield, I'm fairly certain because a lot of their two, I mean, North Carolina had some suspensions and then they had some bad injuries. And so like, of their, you know, they had like, I think they're two and 10 this year. They could easily get to four or five wins next year with Scott Satterfield. And they might get back to six wins with Mac Brown, and that's fine. But I just, it's like, what's the best for your long term trajectory? And it's, I don't think it's Mac it's Brown. It's not this. No. Yeah. This is something I refer to a lot in the nonprofit world as you got the sexy one. And it's like a big hire. It looks sexy to fundraisers, and people are attracted to it because it's appealing. It's not about experience or success. Yeah. Success is sexy. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. Ultimately, like winning is what cures all your ills. And if you and if you're saying like, oh, let's get Mac Brown to fundraise, what you're saying is because we don't care as much about winning. Ultimately, that's what's stupid about it. That's kind of like the LSU hire. I mean, not the LSU hire, but the Kansas hire. I actually understand a little bit more because Kansas needs to fundraise. Like they don't have a lot of money in that program. But UNC was a program that won nine and ten games in the past couple of years. Like there's no reason why. They need to be treated like Kansas when it comes to commitment of funds, unless they're just being kind of, unless they ultimately don't have a commitment overall at all. 
Uh, I also, we just had a response from John Winger who actually said exactly pretty much what you just said about getting Chiswick and Kingsbury to join him as DC and OC, which is not that crazy. I've heard, I've heard Kingsbury might go to USC. I mean, he had a top 15 recruiting class his last four years. It's not like, I mean, that would be an, a slight improvement, but not by a lot. Anyway, carry on. Uh, our very last segment is the one we know and love so much is the James Bearfield Troll Corner presented by Cheerwine. It's the wine that gives you diabetes. TM. 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 Very first one is, do you have a poem for us to equate to the Georgia Tech game and why? Yes, I do. Are you serious? Okay. Yeah, don't be silly. So, Pierce by Shelley, Ozymandias. And I'm, and I'm writing this from the perspective of Paul Johnson. This involves Paul Johnson. I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you there. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk a shattered visage lies, whose frowns and reek a lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal these words appear, my name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, in despair." Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Anyway, all n- nothing lasts. <laughs> it, you can stare and be angry and grunt and exude power, but ultimately the sands of time come and get you. And that's going to be true for Georgia eventually, but it's not true right now. He can take that smug f- smile and pack it back up to that fucking trade school he calls home uh hey if you really want if you really want to make a georgia tech fan angry especially someone who went to georgia tech just call it georgia tech university and then they'll be like oh but it's not georgia tech university and then you'll say oh is it like some kind of trade school or like is it like a welding school <laughs> what do they do there will you give me a quick synopsis of what it is they accomplish there inside the walls of georgia tech the next question is how would you equate the literary paradox of all animals are equal some are just more equal than others from animal farm to the georgia tech game I mean, Animal Farm is about societal inequity. And if there's anything that's inequitous in this society, it's college football. I mean, and there's a positive feedback loop, feedback loop feeding the best recruits into teams like Georgia. So in some ways, that's totally true. Like, I mean, I love to stomp on Georgia Tech, but to some extent, like, you can't really bl- blame Paul Johnson for doing what he's doing or Georgia Tech for hiring him because it's not an equitable system. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we are more equal than they are in many ways. Hypothetical situation. After the UMass game, Kirby tells the team at Monday practice he wants to rest the defense and Jake Fromm for Bama. So we're going to run a field swift Holyfield triple option and playing our second streak defense. Who wins Georgia Tech game and what's the score? We do because our second team defense is still marginally better than their first string defense and we have more skill talent than them and we can throw. Yep. And DeAndre Walker it just was would be, saying it would just be close. They played the uh, they played the scout team in practice, and the scout team ran the triple option. And he said that uh, the scout team played the triple option better than Georgia Tech did. Yeah. <laughs> and Kirby Smart came back with uh, he can say that because he doesn't have to play them next year. But uh, how many more UGA losses before Johnson gets fired? I think he means how many losses to UGA before. I mean, Paul if he Johnson keeps winning, fired? if he keeps winning seven games a year, he's not going to get fired no matter how many times he loses to 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 Georgia. Although, I mean, if he lost, like, the next five in a row, then yeah. But I think he's probably close to – he's probably pretty close to retirement anyway. Yeah. Uh, he's getting he's getting up there. He's going to go join Steve Spurrier uh, out back. I don't know what that means. Last <laughs> question is dumb. I don't know how to answer it, even in a funny way. <laughs> Which one of you loves your wife more? 
I don't know how to answer that in a funny way, James. Damn, James, why you got to do this to me? That's rude, James. You know, James, you you do a really good job of like skirting a line between appropriate and inappropriate, and like you know, really trolling us real hard. But that one really gets us. You know, you don't talk about a man's wife. It's rude. It's rude. Anyway, a bit more housekeeping. Uh, next week, this Wednesday, tomorrow, following the day you'll probably be listening to this, I hope, or the day you're listening to this, whatever. Uh, we are doing an AMA. We were asked to do an AMA on the subreddit Georgia Bulldogs. And so if there are any questions that you want answered, any burning questions you have sitting around in your pockets that are just burning a hole in your pocket, throw those up on there and we're going to answer them on Wednesday. Um, I think a lot of you probably ask questions that are going to ask questions directly to us. So maybe this isn't the best place to do that. But hey, if you want to go have an entertaining romp with us in the world of Reddit, you can do that on Wednesday, November 28th. And uh, off season is swiftly approaching following our Alabama episode. We're going to do a review of Alabama episode and then there'll be bowl games following that. We'll figure out how many bowl games that looks like eventually, but we'll be doing the same format for the bowl games most likely. And then into the off season, we'll be doing fan stories. So if there are any stories you want to talk about regarding your experience with Georgia or what you love, what you don't love, or just something interesting that happened to you and you'd like to share it, then we would love to have you on the show and share it with everybody. So let us know. Get in touch with us on any of the ways that you can get in touch with us. Chapelbellcurve at gmail.com and any of the social medias you can use uh, by just searching our name, Chapel Bell Curve. And on our Patreon, we had a chance to record a show with some folks from a new podcast called the Fan Footage Podcast, which is a podcast having to do with pop culture and all things news related regarding pop culture, but mostly uh, movies in the the nerdy fandom world and a good friend of mine, Jeremiah Purinton, who's a tattoo artist here in Athens, Georgia uh, at JP Tron Walker on Instagram. He is uh, his reputation precedes him when it comes to recasting movies terribly. And so we sat down for about a half hour and got some recasts out of him and his co-host, Justin Vance. And we'd be putting that on our Patreon episode in the next few days. So, and some pretty like hard hot takes from Nathan too. There were a lot of good hot takes, yeah. We it was it was pretty late in the night on the twenty four hour gameathon. We were both feeling ourselves. Yeah, it was it was a good time. So I would definitely go check that out. Uh, speaking of Patreon, if you have a dollar to throw us once a month, you get access to all those episodes. You also get access to episodes early, uncut and uncensored. You know, anything that, that doesn't make it to the show itself makes it to the Patreon. And it's it's usually a few minutes of stuff, but um, it's something that helps us keep the the show going and um, yeah, we'd appreciate it. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Chapel Bell Curve, or you can email us at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. You can also check us out at chapelbellcurve.com or at chapelbellcurve uh, or patreon.com slash chapelbellcurve. If you'd like to give us a couple of bucks a month, like Justin just said, we'd really appreciate it. If you liked what you heard today and you haven't left us a review on your podcasting venue of choice, whether it be Google Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, or just a native android podcast player using the rss feed please 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 give us a review and a rating it helps us so much and it's annoying that it does but it does that's just the way the space is right now um we will catch you in atlanta next week at the hell bins. yeah at the bins the bins S- straight up if you want me you can find me in the a hey, i'm on it but until then go, go dogs, dogs.